Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would open the book of Acts, chapter 4. Acts, chapter 4. What has just occurred is that Peter and John, in chapter 3, were going up to the temple to pray. And they saw a man who was crippled from birth, being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he asked for money, Peter replied, we don't have silver and gold. This is back in chapter 3. We're going to be looking at chapter 4. Peter said, we don't have silver and gold, but what we do have, we'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And this man was instantaneously healed. And he went walking and jumping up and down and praising God. Well, this created quite a stir because people had seen him there for a long time, day after day, begging, and everybody knew and could tell by looking, this guy cannot walk. This guy, from birth, couldn't walk. And everybody knew it. They recognized him. And suddenly now he's walking. And he's jumping up and down. And he's giving the praise to God. Well, you'd think everybody would be happy. But the religious establishment, the people who wanted to control everything religious, the same ones who had insisted upon the crucifixion of Jesus, now feel that they've got to put a stop to this. So in chapter 4, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. 
Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they've done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. In chapter 5, you find that again, there is persecution over and over throughout the scriptures. You will find that there is persecution. And the response of the believers is to thank God for the privilege of being persecuted in the name of Jesus and suffering in his name, and to pray, not, God, please stop the suffering. God, please stop the persecution. Rather, to pray that they would be given boldness to continue to proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord, and all who trust in him will be saved. I spoke to you last time about William Tyndale, a man whose life ended in martyrdom 
because he had dared to provide the scriptures in the language of the people. He wanted people to have a Bible they could read and understand. He wanted people to hear the Bible in their own language so that they would know what it says because God's word is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And God has promised that his word will not return to him void, that is empty, but will accomplish that for which he sent it. And so whether it is in Germany with Martin Luther, or whether it is in England with Wycliffe and then Tyndale, there's an eagerness on the part of those who know God to get his word to people. I told you about Tyndale. His niece, one of his nieces, married a fellow by the name of Roland Taylor. Roland Taylor became the vicar of Hadley, that is the pastor of the church in Hadley in Suffolk, which was about 70 miles, as I recall, outside of London. It was not a big town. It was not a big church, but it was where God assigned him to be pastor. And he shepherded the flock lovingly. He cared for them. I told you that Tyndale's dying words were, God, open the eyes of the king. Well, that king for whom he prayed was Henry VIII. And Henry was a wicked, wicked man. And I will not suggest that Henry got saved and therefore took England from being Roman Catholic to being Protestant. I will tell you that God uses even wicked people to accomplish his purpose, as we just read in Acts. Henry was not able to get the divorce that he wanted granted by the church in Rome. Even that corrupt church and corrupt pope had limits. It's like, well, we'll have no credibility if we keep saying yes. Meanwhile, there were Protestants like Tyndale who were saying, the Pope is not a biblical office. There's nothing in Scripture to suggest that all the churches everywhere need to be submitted to the Bishop of Rome. Well, Henry, wicked man that he was, saw an opportunity. If he broke with the church in Rome, he could declare himself the head of the church in England, and then he could order that his divorce be granted. Sounds like a plan. Pretty self-serving. But he did it, and the result was that under Henry VIII, the Protestants who had been viciously persecuted by the Roman church with Henry's full support, the Protestants now became those who were in charge. And some of them, by the way, were people who loved God and really wanted the truth to be known. And some of them, by the way, were wicked, self-serving people who just tested the political winds and decided to support the group that was on the rise. I remind you again of the scripture that we saw the other day. The Lord knows those who are his. Well, one of those who is his is Roland Taylor.
He married Tyndale's niece, and he was pastoring this church in Hadley. And um, while Henry VIII was living, it was safe to be a Protestant. It was advantageous to be a Protestant at the end of Henry's reign. When Henry's son became the uh, king, Edward VI, he too was Protestant and protected the Protestants from the persecution that they had endured at the hands of the Catholic hierarchy. And by the way, during that time, it was not easy to be a Roman Catholic. Catholics were persecuted by Protestants. And I'm not advocating that, by the way. But Roland Taylor was not one of the persecutors of Catholics. He was simply one of the proclaimers of the truth. And when Edward VI died, Bloody Queen Mary came to power. And she was determined to restore the Catholic dominance because she was loyal to the church in Rome. By the way, there are other threads with all of this regarding political alliances and marriage alliances and all that stuff. It's a complicated scene. People have various reasons for doing what they're doing. But what she did was to horribly persecute Protestant believers to death. And she appointed in positions of power people who swore their allegiance to Rome. Well, Roland Taylor was a man who loved God, a man who believed his word, a man who knew the scriptures. He'd gone to Cambridge University and he'd gotten his doctorate. And he was devoted to serving God. There were two laymen in his church who decided that they were going to be loyal to the Catholic Church. And therefore, on the Monday before Easter, they were going to celebrate the Roman Catholic Mass. They were not priests uh, in the Church of Rome, but they were determined to have the ritual. They'd missed it. And so now they went into the church on a Monday, and they were celebrating the Mass. And Taylor, having heard the church bell, came to the church, found that it was locked, got in through a side door, went into the main part of the church and saw these two clowns up there going through all the rituals of the Mass. And he endeavored to put a stop to it. And these guys forced him out of the building and celebrated the Mass. And then notified the bishop that they had done this and Taylor had tried to interfere. So... The bishop hauled him up on charges. This is from Fox's Book of Martyrs, which, by the way, is a wonderful book, very old book. Used to be a required reading in English-speaking schools. When he received the summons, he cheerfully prepared to obey the same and rejected the advice of his friends to fly beyond the sea, that is, to get in a boat and go away. And so Gardiner, the bishop, summoned him on charges and Taylor went and appeared before the bishop. And when Gardner saw Dr. Taylor, he, according to his common custom, reviled him. That is to say, he spoke abusively. 
And Dr. Taylor heard his abuse patiently, and when the bishop said, How darest thou look me in the face? Knowest thou not who I am? Dr. Taylor replied, You are Dr. Stephen Gardner, Bishop of Winchester and Lord Chancellor, and yet but a mortal man. But if I should be afraid of your lordly looks, why fear ye not God, the Lord of us all? With what countenance will you appear before the judgment seat of Christ and answer to your oath made first unto King Henry VIII and afterward unto King Edward VI, his son? Do you get what he said? He said, you think I should be afraid to look you in the face? How are you going to stand before God? You think I should fear you? Why don't you fear God? How are you going to answer at the judgment for the fact that you swore an oath to King Henry and you swore an oath to his son and now you've broken your oaths? How are you going to answer for that? Well, as you might imagine, Gardner didn't like that. And he was sentenced first to prison and then to death. He spent over a year in prison. And after his time in prison, he was brought out, having been ordered to be burned at the stake. When he was about to die, he was given secretly the opportunity to meet with his wife and some of his children still as a prisoner. And uh, he gave his son Thomas a Latin book containing the notable sayings of the old martyrs. And in the end of that, he wrote his testament. This is what he wrote. I say to my wife and to my children, the Lord gave you unto me, and the Lord hath taken me from you, and you from me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I believe that they are blessed which die in the Lord. God careth for sparrows and for the hairs of our heads. I have ever found him more faithful and favorable than is any father or husband. Trust ye therefore in him by the means of our dear Savior Christ's merits. Believe, love, fear, and obey him. Pray to him. For he hath promised to help. Count me not dead, for I shall certainly live and never die. I go before, and you shall follow after to our long home. That was what he wrote in the back of the book of the sayings of the martyrs that he gave to his son. His wife and two of her children waited outside the prison later when they had heard that he was going to be taken away for his execution. And in the middle of the night, in the darkness of night, with no torch or lantern, he was being brought out. And uh, about two o'clock in the morning, they say, she had two of her children with her, two daughters. Elizabeth, who was an adopted child, she had been orphaned at the age of three, the Taylors took her in. Roland Taylor raised her as one of his own. She was at this point 13 years of age. The other was the younger daughter named Mary. 
Now, when the sheriff and his company came by the church where they were, Elizabeth cried out, saying, Oh, my dear father, mother, mother, here is my father led away. Then his wife cried, Roland, Roland, where art thou? For it was very dark, and one could not see the other well. Dr. Taylor answered, Dear wife, I am here, and stopped walking. The sheriff's men would have led him further, but the sheriff said, Stay a little, masters, I pray you, and let him speak to his wife. So they stayed. Then came she to him, and he took his daughter Mary in his arms, and he, his wife, and Elizabeth kneeled down and said the Lord's Prayer, at which sight the sheriff wept a bit. And so did various others in the group. After they had prayed, he rose up and kissed his wife and shook her by the hand and said, Farewell, my dear wife. Be of good comfort, for I am quiet in my conscience. God shall stir up a father for my children. Forgive me. They led him on to the stake where he would be burned. And when he had prayed, he went to the stake and kissed it and set himself into a pitch barrel, that is, they had a barrel filled with tar that he was to get in and stand so that they could light that. And with his hands folded together and his eyes towards heaven, he continued to pray. They then bound him with chains and having set up the pieces of wood, One man took one of the pieces of wood and threw it at him, striking him on his head, cutting his face so that the blood ran down. Taylor responded to the man, Oh, friend, I have harm enough. Why did you need to do that? Dr. Taylor was quoting one of the Psalms in English. One of his persecutors struck him on the mouth saying, you knave, speak Latin, I will make thee. You see, Taylor wanted people to hear God's word in their own language. At last, they started the fire, and Dr. Taylor, holding up both his hands, calling upon God, said, Merciful Father of heaven, for Jesus Christ, my Savior's sake, receive my soul into thy hands. And so he stood still without either crying or moving, with his hands folded together, until Sois, one of the killers, took a tool that's like an axe and struck him on the head until his brains gushed forth, and his corpse fell down into the fire. Even though that's recorded in Fox's Book of Martyrs, most people have never heard of Roland Taylor, but I have a special fondness for him because he is my 10th great grandfather, and I am so grateful to be related to someone whose courage and faith were such a witness. What if the political situation in the United States changed the way that it changed in England? What if there were an administration that began to say, you can't do 
what you've been doing. You can't preach what you've been preaching. You can't gather as you've been gathering. God's Word records honestly for us the persecution of our brothers and sisters in the past and tells us that we need to be prepared. I plead with you, believe what God says, trust in Jesus. Don't be afraid, whatever comes, because Jesus will give you the courage and the strength to get through it. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.